Now recording. Fantastic. I hope you've all got a bottle in hand because it's celebration time. Woo! My name is Steve. This is our 200th official podcast. It's called Love Joe Memories. Love Joe Memories. <laughs> I'm joined by my two best friends in the game. Hello, Paul. Hello, Rob. Good evening, South Africa. Hello and good morning Australia. Hello, hello you misfits and uh, good evening Australia, good evening, uh, good morning Australia, good evening Rob, hello, I'm alive, yay, <laughs> let's do this. Let's indeed, and it's a celebration to be sure, uh, so we've all brought some body trinkets, what's, what, what's your poison gentlemen? Uh, I'll start. I went to no less than two bottle stores uh, yesterday. Because it's buying the end of the month, all this stock, eh? <laughs> yeah. Hey? No, it, it being the end of the month and the, the so-called uh, speech, Ramaphosa, our president's speech about lockdown, um, sort of setting to drop off, uh, drop on us at any minute, everybody decided, oh, well, crap, you know, they're going to ban alcohol again. So I think everybody went and bought all of the alcohol which means I couldn't get any Jose Cuevo. I couldn't get myself any tequila. Oh, so shit. I went, uh, I came home empty-handed uh, because I knew that I, in the back of my mind, I have a, ca- a bottle of Captain Morgan Spice Gold yeah. Rum. Piratical. Yeah, and I, think I had, and I think the last time I had this, the last time I opened this, it was on my birthday, 2016 or 2017. So it's matured. <laughs> oh, mature no. rum. Interesting. Yeah. Proper um, oh, no, Captain like Jack pirate. Sparrow hiding it mm. somewhere so you can find it years later. Yeah. Well, right. I'm rocking uh, Ponchos, which is a flavored coffee infused tequila. Oh, God. Well, we should be swapping then, Rob, because <laughs> you know what this sound is. Fucking <laughs> 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 I didn't expect that much force. Um, wouldn't be a celebration without some bubbly. Uh, Absolutely. So, gentlemen uh, and gentlemen in the chats and gentlemen watching this on the replay, uh, if you got them, knock them back. Happy 200th podcast, boys. It's been cheers, a while. Cheers, right. <laughs> Yay. Now i got to actually mm. pour this shit. Or are we drinking out of the bottle? I'm not a pirate. Naked, we... dude. Naked. You, what, you're going to be draw, draw, drawing a shot every time? Drink from the bottle. You don't have to pass it around. And even if you did, hey, you're between friends. Oh, okay, uh, cheers. Got... Cheers, everybody. Um, drinking dry champagne at 6.15 a.m. <laughs> is certainly a G.I. Joe Berg first, if not a Stevie, Stevie <laughs> J first. <laughs> but I seem to recall, like, uh, New Year's past, particularly if I was camping or something, and there'd still be, like, <laughs> open bottles of champagne littered around the uh, the campsite, and I was that yeah. guy. That guy at sunrise, necking them. Anyways, gentlemen, there's no date for a G.I. Joburg Wettstreit. Jij us. There's date for... The multiple choice guessing game, liquor drinking game. Yo. With your host, Stevie J. And <laughs> on the only Paul, Deadly Pencils, and Roberto. 
Yay! 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 Celebrating, I suppose, the infamous uh, outings of the G.I. Joe crew. With a twist, we've turned it into a drinking game. Pardon me, I'm going to be belching through this because that bubbly is bubbly. So, gentlemen, without further ado, let's break the ice and um, do some shots. If you get the question wrong, you do a shot. If you get the question right, the Games Master does a shot. Hey. At the end of the uh, questionnaire, the difference between the winner and loser is the number of shots that the loser needs to take. And wow. in the case of a draw, I do three <laughs> shots. <laughs> oh, so let's, let's, let's get down to business. I don't know how you can play along back home. I guess just, just do a shot. Every question, do a shot. Every option, do a shot. Every incorrect answer, do a shot. Every correct answer, do a shot. Let's get... Very festive. Uh, first up, are you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm, well, do a shot. <laughs> oh shit! We weren't ready. We have to do a shot. We have to pour the shot, not shit. No, 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 no. From the bottle, young man. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's do it. First question, Robert. What was the name? Of the comic store that Steve and Paul first met at. Oh, was it... holy shit. I've got oh, the options. There are options this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I went one step further. It's just to keep it interesting. Um, was it A, Nexus? B, Anime Works? C, Cosmic Comics? Or D, Outer Limits? I'm going to go with the Anime Works uh, final answer. Do a shot, he Paul. He's right. <laughs> I have to do a shot because he's right. That's fucked up. I mean, that's Gary. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, it is Did you. you. Yeah, yeah, you do a shot because he's right. You do a shot because I'm right. Don't you do a shot because he's right? No, that, that's mm. only if we both get it wrong. Oh. Well, get ready, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Have you administered your your, your punishment, Paul? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's time uh-huh. for your first <clears throat> question. After the initial classified reveals, Rob said on a podcast, if there's one classified figure I'd get, it would be... And here are your options. The convention-exclusive Snake Eyes. Yeah. B... Cobra Commander, C, Prophet Director Destro, or D, Scarlet? I think it's PDD, Prophet Director Destro, if memory serves. I hope it serves me well. Damn, Robbie, son. Damn. Do it. Do it. You know me too well. <laughs> I'm just lucky. You're correct, you. Paul. Well done, sir. Yes, indeed. Yay. Rob said if there was one classified oh. figure he'd get, it would be PDD. I have the power of Storm Shadow on my side. Indeed. <laughs> okay, Rob. Your next question. You're both one for one. This is going a lot smoother than the last time we did these quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> what primary specialty 
What primary military specialty did Paul give you when authoring his file card for you? Was it A, long-range weapons, B, intelligence, C, criminal investigation, or D, analyst? I'm going to go with A, long-range. Long-range weapons. What makes yeah. you think that? Because <clears throat> I think he thought it would be an interesting thing uh, for me to have, is a... Uh being able to attack people from a from a, a long distance away from a distance the earth looks green, green and blue. blue very good wow well congratulations rob that is correct paul hey. drink <laughs> <laughs> stop closing the bottle paul you're gonna have to ah. Sorry, there's no some swearing yeah, in this yeah. episode. This is not child friendly. Ugh. No, Ugh. this yeah, exactly. We we can be uncorked. Um, but yeah, gents, uh, if you think it's tough, um, getting drunk and then passing out and then having to work the next day, imagine if it is already the next day and in a couple of hours you need to drive your wife to the hospital to get her COVID vaccination. Actually, she'll oh. do the driving. Uh, let's not be irresponsible here. But still, uh, I'm on I'm on daddy daycare. Okay, question number three. Three. Okay. In episode 190, this is for Paul. In episode 191, Rob's oil and water character team up was A, Flint and Baroness, B, Sci Fi and Slipstream, C, Roadblock and Storm Shadow, or D, Destro and Lady J. Uh, <laughs> no. What is A and B again? <laughs> A, Flint and Baroness. B, Sci-Fi and Slipstream. C, Roadblock and Storm Shadow. Or D, Destro and Lady J. Oh, Paul's in trouble. Side. B, Sci-Fi and Slipstream. Oh, he got it. Rob, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Correct. Well done, Paul. Three sheets to the wind. Yar. <laughs> oh. How's yeah. that tequila going down, dude? Because tequila is that thing that maybe you should be shooting like once every 45 minutes, not every five minutes. Well, it's it's more like a tastes more like a liqueur than tequila, thankfully. Right. Good. You're gonna project still got that edge though, I'm sure. But it still has <laughs> that, yeah, it does. Also, just mm -hmm. I just want to just uh, up the ante here a little. There uh -huh. is no water in my neighborhood as of like four o'clock today. What? <laughs> Which it means, means I won't be able to make any long distance phone calls <laughs> properly. Which I which means I'm going to be on mop duty tomorrow if this goes bad. Just to say. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. It took me a while for the cogs in my brain to to get at what you're getting at, but. Yeah, take it easy, Paul. Hold your. You haven't even been drinking. <laughs> yeah, but it's rum. Ugh. Oh dear, yeah. oh, dear. Paul, you told you told me you, this wouldn't be a problem. You told me that you have With tequila. A... No, tequila is fine. I can drink tequila like <laughs> water, but this stuff. Ugh. That's anyway, why it's been in your cupboard that long. Yeah. Rum is your weakness. Oh, yep. Dear. Yeah. Gentlemen, question number four. And there are only six, I'll have you know. So uh, this is getting neck and neck kind of stuff. Rob, you have to get this right. <laughs> Puke outside. <laughs> <laughs> P 
Paul has started a series of live streams with the aim of sharing customizing tricks and tips. Is his show called A, Some Assembly Required, B, Under Construction, C, Sturdy Construction for Rugged Play, or D, Snap On, Stay On? Uh, <laughs> I think it's A. What was A? Some Assembly Required. <laughs> yes, that one. Correct. Yes. Oh, I got a drink. Yes. Oh. Hit it, Paulie. Congrats, Paulie. Well done. Now, as long as Paul gets the next one wrong, then we won't be at the same mm. amount of shots. <laughs> mm. mm. Ah. Ah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. In order to tie this up and have me shoot instead of you, <laughs> what color are the boots? on Rob's definitive Firefly? Are they A, white, B, gray, C, brown, or D, black? G.I. Joe Gods, be with me now. D? D, black. Black? And you'd be right! Congratulations! So Rob, you take a shot, and so will I, as the the game master who could not get you guys um, off your form this evening. You are uh, got all three questions correct, and I'm very proud of you. <laughs> My little baby's <laughs> ready to leave the nest. <laughs> anyway, bottoms up, Robbie. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Oh. Looks him. It's the bubbles, man. The bubbles that fuck you up quicker. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do champers, eh? Mm-mm. Well, yeah, I can't do champers and can't do champers before breakfast. Mind you, I think I've got some orange juice lurking around here somewhere. I could make mm. mimosas and be all posh. Make a mimosa. But be um, that would be cheating, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, for our 200th Bonanza, we took to the socials and we got some incredible responses. The question was, we wanted to know it was a two-part thing. We wanted to know, and this comes to the heart of what G.I. Joburg is all about. We wanted to know. We wanted to know. How you played with G.I. Joe. Your most cherished toy memories. Uh, people wrote us beautifully worded essays. Things that I think I need to put together a compilation of and somehow make available. It's kind of been our loftiest goal to unearth how people played back in the day, because there was never one way of playing with G.I. Joe, and we got some wonderfully varied answers. The other part, I'm a bit sheepish about, uh, so we'll see if we have time to get uh, the Tell us how cool we are, guys. Tell us how cool Uh, we are. I know, it's a bit (laughs) indulgent. It's like, what is your favorite G.I. Joe book memory? But hey, you're all here for a reason, and some of us, some of you have been with us from the very beginning. So no doubt there there might be some some great things we can plumb the depths for, and uh, maybe maybe get some nostalgia going amongst the three of us. Like oh, that yeah. time we went to the United States, man, it was so cool. Oh, uh, or the haunted house, <laughs> yeah, the murder oh, mansion. Oh, yeah, murder yeah, mansion yeah. So, um, do you guys have the the responses open in front of you? Because I'm going to get really sick of hearing my own voice. Yes, I do. I do. Should I, I start? Why don't I do this? Why don't I kick this off? For a, Whoa. Kick this off oh. Paul's going yeah. first? Why yeah, why not? 
Why not? I normally don't go first, so let's see. Cool. And then anyway. after each memory we read, we take a shot. No. Sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we definitely have some yes, uh, support, su support for that <laughs> in the chats. Okay, Paul, take it away. Okay, here we go. Uh, these are from YouTube, and this is from a, uh, a commenter called G.I. Dojo. Mm -hmm. right. Who uses uh, version 4 Snake Eyes as his avatar. <laughs> hmm. That's and not the kind just of version he is. The, 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 um, the roleplay set avatar. Oh, was it not the 12-inch yeah. one? No, it's the roleplay huh. set. I could be wrong. I'm sure he will correct us in the comments of this video. But Well, it's anyway. a nice pick. It's a, a more detailed artwork than the, um, the original card art because you can actually see Snake Eyes' eyes through the, the, the orange goggles. Yeah. That's terrific. Anyway. I always wanted that set. Anyway, here we go. I always struggled with my grades in school. In the fall of 1992, I actually received a somewhat decent report card. My mother was so proud she drove me to the local Kmart to buy something as a reward. I picked out the 12-inch Hall of Fame Snake Eyes cool toy. I loved this figure so much. The first night, I made a bed for him out of an old tissue box and at this point became obsessed with the 12-inch scale. Every birthday and Christmas for the next three years, I received another Hall of Fame figure or vehicle. I even built a huge headquarters for them out of wood. We had a nice in-ground pool and I spent countless hours diving snake eyes to the bottom. Of course, he was suited up in the underwear, uh, underwater underwear, in the underwater <laughs> attack mission gear. I still own that exact same snake eyes to this day. Yo, Joburg. Very oh, cool. Terrific, Joe Dojo. Uh, two things I'd like to draw attention to in that in that letter was using a tissue box for like a bed i yeah. totally did that i remember distinctly sticking v2 stalker in a tissue box because it's nice and cozy and soft um you can kind of pull the, the the top tissue over your character um and he's kind of cocooned in there and for v2 stalker it was a neat place to store all his gear as well as have a bed for him but for a 12 inch I sure, i'm sure the scaling worked even better yeah you, you, you probably customized the tissue box a little bit and your mom later would be like where are the tissues danny where are the tissues yeah no. someone goes to blow their nose and like have an action figure surprise <laughs> it never ceases to, to amaze me how there are things in my life that i didn't think i'd ever speak about and then somehow this podcast brings it up brings up an, a good opportunity for it and now one has appeared um I had a Peter Pan toy from the Adventures of Peter Pan cartoon series, and I really dug that toy. And I did the same thing. I also made like a little bed out of like like a cardboard box thing or something. I think it was a tissue box or something like that. And I would leave it by the window. Um, and one day I came back home from school and I saw that the tissue box was there, but Peter Pan wasn't there. So I thought that was strange because maybe I had played and i was like i wonder where it was where it went and i spent the whole day looking for it and i eventually did find him or should i say he's late neverland he returned to neverland it was either mm. caesar or rocky that decided to pull that toy from the windowsill and chow it <laughs> so goodbye peter pan i guess neverland is in one of your dog's stomachs then <laughs> anyway, oh, do a shot okay the other thing uh, that I want on. to point out is is diving your toys into water. Mm. Now, 
there were two types of kids or uh, let me say the, the, i think there were three types of kids there were kids who treated their toys with a lot of respect and did not play with them rough there were kids who played with their toys in the sandbox or in the the pool and then there were kids who stuck dynamite in <laughs> their gi joe's waistbands and blew them to hell um mm-hmm. yeah well not i mean what am i saying you Tom even had fun ruining a couple of figures um but there they were weren't GI Joes. No, i know that's the thing i mean there was even there was like some weird wrestling figure i think and we were going through our zombie phase and so we kind of like <laughs> burned him with holes so we made him into like a, a really gross looking zombie dude <laughs> well, the day we discovered the joys of a soldering iron that Oof. was a good day but thanks again gi joe dojo for that response let's uh plow on through because we got a quite a few to get through uh people wrote and wrote very generously and there is some great content ahead so i'm going to take the next one this is by our very frequent commentator tetsuo's wrath hello tetsuo favorite playtime experience was with my friend tommy with all our joes we had them set up in an upstairs hallway joes on the one side of the wide hall and cobras on the other and then battling it out in the middle it was the largest single battle with toys i've ever experienced lasted a few hours I can remember barely anything about the battle. I can remember Cobra using the parasite to bring troop reinforcements in between the waves, but that's about it. Another experience that wasn't Joe's was me and my brother playing Jurassic Park in our backyard. My mom had a jungle-like garden that we set up various dinosaur enclosures in. We drove the Explorer and Jeep around and had figures capture, help, or escape from dinosaurs. Oh, Oh, thank you, Tetsuo. Who smashed up sort of dinosaurs with gi joe it, it i mean hasbro was peddling it in the late in the, in the early 90s but that was just to, to catch the trend we were doing it already in our playtimes jurassic park fever was was that fever pitch and mm-hmm. uh, i mean gi joe was the action figure go-to and if you had any plastic dinosaurs to hand it was just it was logical wasn't it hey paul mm-hmm yeah, totally. I totally did that. You know, I did that. In fact, and I'm um, shooting some champagne as we speak, just so you know, listeners, keeping up. Um, the <laughs> the dinosaurs that came packed in with the Jurassic Park toys were like a really good scale for GI Joe, actually. And so I remember like doing that quite a bit because I couldn't I couldn't really reconcile Doctor Grant at his in his giant state with the Joes, but I definitely had a lot of fun with those dinosaurs, mixing them in there. And I think at the oh, time, yeah. still... if anything, the scaling of G.I. Joe helped, you know, yeah. it would make the dinosaurs that much bigger. Exactly. Mm. Um, and then I also still had one or two dinosaurs from my Dino Riders um, days, you know, like I still had um, what, uh, the one pterodactyl, like the yellow and black pterodactyl and uh, the Dinonychus, I think I still had that. Yeah. And, and ironically, the scaling worked, worked well in, in that sense as well in, in reverse, because yeah. Joe's being bigger than the Dino Riders figures meant that the velociraptors were the right size yes you know because like <laughs> the, the velociraptors were huge for the the dino rider scale figures they mm. really really were they were like massive although technically i mean i don't want to get too dino nerdy but dino Nikus itself was actually quite big uh, oh. it was quite a big dinosaur but but yeah like you're right like in general terms yes that's that's very true um also i don't know if you guys remember but during the jurassic park dino fever um I think it was the same company uh, as Dino Riders that released them, but they released all of the dinosaurs. Like, so it was basically the same dinosaur you got with the Dino Riders, just maybe they just didn't have the holes to put the armor in them. 
so they didn't have like a, a JP tattoo on the butt. Yeah, yeah, that too. But I mean, it was like some, I think it was Tommy that did them. The, it was like Dinosaur World or something like that. And they just re literally repackaged the dinosaurs from Dino Riders uh, and put them out there. And I think I had a Styracosaurus from that as well. Just the dinosaur. I don't recall that, but I'm not dino crazy like you, dude. Anyways, Tetsuo, thank you for uh, allowing us to reminisce about how we used to play dinosaurs with our G.I. Joes. True, we totally did. Uh, and Cliff has put up his hand in the chats and said that, yes, indeed, he used firecrackers in the core. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Spare your valuable G.I. Joes. It's the core that are the disposable dudes. But yeah, we, um, oh, Rob, you you probably might recall we used Koki pens, felt tip pens. To yeah, kind we of went crazy on those figures to make them, especially the, um, was it the Bionic 6? Bionic 6 figures, yeah. They were our go to <laughs> zombies, and I regret that now because that, that, that ink is not coming off. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're zombies forever. Rubbing I'm glad we helped someone like Ryan. Uh, Ryan is saying in the, in the comments here of live. Uh, he blames us for getting him back into toys and <laughs> for not for, for for and for making it okay to not feel bad for playing with toys again after his son watched the uh, flag review. So Aww. yeah, I'm glad we helped at least one person get back into t playing with their toys. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. We might be enablers, but we're playing to a very very easy audience. Uh, it Hell doesn't yeah. take much to get a Joe fan to buy Joes. That's all I'm saying. So and to play with them. I mean, I'm so glad you have to play. Robbie, well, you want to read next... Outback Stews? Hell yeah, Outback Stew gave us a nice little comment. Um, well, I never really played as as Joe versus Cobra. I made up my own stories. Outback and Tonerac were cops, and there was a guy trying to kill Outback. It went on for a long time. Leatherneck was their sergeant. Crankcase is Outback's dad, and also Law's brother. Tonerac is Law's son. So Outback and Tonerite are cousins, and Tonerite was the one trying to kill Outback the whole time. Whoa, this is complicated. Me and my cousin played this storyline for years, and all this was after G.I. Joe won the war against Cobra. But Cobra was mind-controlling Tonerite, and a lot of other Joes to one day rise up again and take over the world. We never got to the Cobra Rise of Power part. Anyway, that's how I played G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe isn't the comic books of the cartoon. It is what each person wants it to be. I love Hell that sentiment. Yeah. And drink. <laughs> but it's so true. Like, G.I. Joe could be, you know, you could be straight up just playing what you saw in the cartoons or comic books. Or you could be, you know, putting your own, superimposing your own plot lines onto these avatars, essentially. And yeah, I love absolutely. the fact you that... You create your own little, like, dynasty, like, soap opera. Um, well, I love the fact that Stu set up these kind of like almost family relationships. It, mm. it seemed like there, was, there were two feuding bloodlines, um, and, and and it comes to to a head in this partnership between Outback and Tunnel Rat. And you know they're both like they they they're good cop bad cop, and the one is trying to kill the other secretly. Oh, terrific! Yeah, stuff, it's crazy. Man. It's very cool. Well, Stu, I hope you get a chance to continue the story. Do it. Keep going. Finish this. Finish where you started. Well, if you are looking for Stu's continued adventures, the man has a YouTube channel and he frequently posts. You know, I mean, it, it's. I think there are over a hundred episodes by now, but oh, yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty involved stuff. And he has a very detailed headcanon. I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating. 
So, Rick, nice job, man. Uh, salute you. And thank you for, for writing into us. And he's absolutely I would definitely right. check it out. G.I. Yeah. Joe is certainly what you want it to, to be. You know, and you I think, have the kind think... of in, admission, imagination mm -hmm. that um, can't be restrained easily. And I Do think G.I. Joe, more than other lines, also lends itself to that because there are so many different characters, you know, mm. and there is kind of like a set storyline, G.I. Joe versus Cobra, but with so many different characters, you don't fit into like specific roles necessarily. You can essentially create your own stories, um, you know, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I don't think you can really do that with other lines like He-Man or Thundercats or something. I mean, I love the that he cast Frank Case as, as Outback's dad. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm picturing the two figures, and yes, Crankcase is a sense. bit of, he's got a, a fuddy daddy kind of turn of the century moustache, <laughs> and Outback is kind of just shaggy, and he's been in the jungle too long, uh, but they're both redheads, so that works. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Paulie, you're up, buddy. Ah, uh, the next one comes from Zazel Logan Phoenix. Yes, mm. that one. The voice of um, Sergeant Slaughter or Slammer or Smasher, depending on where you come from. Uh, <laughs> my brothers and I would continue the adventure from toy play to role play and back again. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The ongoing narrative would pick up where we left off. And if we were role playing, then whatever happened there affected the toys as well. That's actually very cool. And I can relate to that because uh, on a few occasions, <clears throat> Dave and I would go... Um, on like my parents would sometimes get invited to these sort of police retreats uh you know where they'd like go to like a park or something and there'd just be like a whole bunch of like cops there like chilling out and Although the um, police never retreat they never <laughs> retreat but, no. but in this case you know this riot's getting out of hand ah! <laughs> anyway. they can handle it <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> so like often these uh these things would take place in these like cool kind of campsites and whatever. So David and I would often like go and like role play as like snake eyes and storm shadow or whatever else, like running through the jungle, having like ninja fights and whatever's, and then sort of like coming back and then kind, kind of playing that out a little bit with the toys as well. So yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. Um, Zazel. So that's very cool. I don't know about you guys. Did you guys ever do stuff like that? Zazel included a picture, uh, maybe I'll flash it up now, uh, he as a youth <laughs> also wanted to play as Sergeant Slaughter, <laughs> but uh, I mean and, and now Zazel has the most fabulous beard I think I've ever seen on any man, uh, so <laughs> it's with some irony that he had a, a phony moustache uh, in the picture. Uh, but yeah, man, he was he's playing the Sarge back in the day. I think his brother was playing Snake Eyes, maybe, if I'm recalling our, our conversation correctly. Um, yeah, man, we used to do that too, but I don't think they... We didn't have the continuity of like our role-play game adding to our action figure game story. Yeah, it would be something separate. Yeah, yeah. I think Certainly we, you I mean, and I, Rob, I mean, we were always on the hunt for T-1000s. Mm. Terminator 2 Judgment Day played a big <laughs> role in our role play. Absolutely. But I think, yeah, generally, like, the toys were our um, our outlet for role playing. That's why, like, playtime wasn't necessarily always just about missions and fighting. It was about the downtime. Or we created really cool, interesting stories, like with the... Um... Oh, my brain is dying. <laughs> <laughs> 
with Drink. all the cool storylines, all the cool storylines that, that that we created. You know, it wasn't always just about fighting; it was about creating cool worlds, like with shifters. Um, mm. So all the role playing really came out when we were taking the the figures up and you know in in uh, investing them with the uh, with the uh, with life. Did any of you guys have mates who had a lot of like camo dress up stuff? Yes, I was that mate. Oh, okay, yeah. so no, I, I had a buddy, uh, and he also lived in your neck of the woods, Rob, in Kenilworth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would go to that that little park, little oh, scummy yeah. park with the the ablution block. That's well, it was graffiti to shit, but I mean, I think they did a mural at one point. Yeah, um, they did. It looked really nice actually when you're on the swings. <laughs> uh, but he had a whole bunch of like camo jackets and pants. So I mean, this is just an excuse to like be army men and take up a stick as your gun and go leopard crawling around this park man we must have looked ridiculous to onlookers but uh, isn't that just yeah. the joy of youth it doesn't matter man you and your kids. Yeah, man. do whatever David you want and, David and I used to wear... oh sorry man yeah no no i'm done but rob you used to have a mate and didn't you guys play in that park as well here uh, <laughs> yes he was i was gonna say he had... lived Yes, he lives He's convinced directly. he had a healing factor. <laughs> <laughs> directly across from the park, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time with him. We played uh, mainly Lego. He had a lot of really cool Lego. Um, not many Joes, um, but yeah, so we played a lot in the park. And yes, he was very, he was convinced he had a healing factor. You know, he was like, oh, you know, when I get hurt, uh, I heal so fast. Like I got this cut the other day and it's, it's gone already. I'm like, I'm like Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, no, we had a lot of fun. Lost, we had a lot of fun. Jump off anything high? No, I don't think so. I think he's he's, he's still alive today. He's, he's, he's still going. He's still going. He's got I'm kids. Wolverine, man. <laughs> well, maybe he passed it on to his kid. You never know. Um, never yeah, know. so I think role playing or like more physical stuff I did with him. You know, kind of like playing in the park. We did a lot of like kind of handball. You know, with the, with the tennis ball. Um, not that I did much much sport at school, but um, yeah, th- but those were, were cool like a times. Handball champion, okay. yeah, for sure, against him at least. <laughs> Dave and I used to dress up in in fatigues because my dad had his uh, sort of police camo uh, fatigues and stuff still, and uh, we used to wear that stuff so that the BB bullets didn't hurt as much when we ran around the streets <laughs> shooting each other with BB guns. It was great. Did your parents <laughs> not intervene at that point, Paul? Like no. pointing BB guns at each other. My parents were totally cool. My dad made sure both David and I had weed eater goggles. You know, we had the weed okay. eater goggles on our face and we wore better clovers or whatever. And we just ran around and shot the shit out of each other, man. I mean, I, I, we both got pocked in the face a few times. We would both have like little red welts every now and then. But thankfully, uh, as you guys well uh, know well and true, that I still have my two eyes and everything else that came with my face. So, you know, <clears throat> we were okay. We survived the, the early 90s as kids. We were great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can only have so much fun shooting birds and trees and shit. Like ultimately every child just wants to shoot their friend. Let's own up to that fact. Right, (laughs) guys, we're gonna get interesting with our brother from the Philippines. It's Robert Kalupitan, and he says As a young boy, I often did a Star Trek style story where they are stuck in a dimension with other beings like Transformers. I got Jazz, Ravage. Transformers Junior Soundwave and Grapple. I also got some DC toys and Marvel too. 
They were trying to build a colony base, but the environment is their enemy as they try to survive. The hostiles were cats, birds, and sometimes toy aliens figures who used to play in the backyard or outside of my home, sometimes with the neighborhood kids for figure trade meetups. I got the chance to play with a mobile command center one kid owned. It was a dream come true for me to actually get to hold an actual MCC as a kid. Later, I got Repeater and Iron Grenadier, uh, and even later, my dad got me the 90s guys like Bullhorn, Salvo, Bat version 2 for Christmas, and for my 13th birthday, the first G.I. Joe vehicle, the Sky Havoc. I oh. turned it into a mini MCC for my Joes. I even made a WWF ring out of plywood, nails, and sewing thread, and did wrestling games that cracked elbows and crotches. Ooh. Thank you, Roberts. Dudes. Did anyone use the actual environment as your enemy? Like, it was an adventure just for your figures to stay alive in a kind of a hostile world? I don't think so. I think it was always like figures versus figures. Um, I mean, the environment obviously played a factor because it's where you were playing in, but it wasn't like the, the main enemy of, of your heroes. Well, clearly yeah. life is rough in Manila because Robert was having to defend his Transformers and other assorted action figures from the cats. <laughs> That's like a video game right there. These That's evil awesome. feral cats. Oh, man. Awesome. I, I wonder how much of that is truth and how much of that is maybe nostalgia goggles. Like, hey, get away, cat. Evil cat. No, but it could yeah, have just no. been that, like... There was like a neighborhood cat that just kept walking in through his uh, his like you know play area like there when he set up in the park, you know, and they were like, oh no, it's the evil cat. It's you know, mm, like, a really familiar <laughs> cat will often kind of come up and <laughs> nuzzle you and your hands and possibly whatever you're holding, but mm. uh, every once in every while it will unleash the teeth. <laughs> There'll be a little nip. <laughs> I, I do still possess, on particularly my Marvel action figures, little bite marks that remind me of good old Jenny Annie Dots. Mm. Rest in peace, Jenny. Absolutely, I'll drink to that. Oh, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Robert. Uh, that is a terrific notion, like, that you had the imagination to pretend you're on a hostile planet with your, your action figures. Um, clearly very Trek-inspired. Uh, hopefully you didn't have too many red shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Who's up? Well, our next comment comes from Mark Van Leeuwen. And he says, My cousin and I love to play out an ongoing story for weeks at my grandma's house. The preparation alone itself took days. First, we thought out how the story would end, its settings and locations. Then we started building dioramas for each part of the story. I would do the cardboard pieces and backdrops to my cousin, the technician would make underground bunkers, trapdoors, elevators, and extendable bridges. We used anything that lay around, including old green flowered curtains as green mountains. The story played out evolved over the days and could change easily along the way, but it always ended the way we intended. So much fun. Yep, that's the that benefit of having the- That is freaking cool. That is yeah. very cool. And that is definitely the benefit of having the Benelux catalogs in your life. Well, there we go. Hmm. Heck yeah, that is actually so awesome because I, well, it's kind of similar but different. I think the way that Stephen that we played, how Stephen did it was that he kind of just made it up as he went along. Um, well, I kind of like wrote out whole scripts and I had I I, I had an idea of exactly where I wanted to go, and I think the way that 
I wanted things to go was, you know, I wasn't very um, flexible, I think. So that's why we didn't often, I wasn't often the person who uh, came up with the ideas for games because I was like, it has to go this way. And then we do this and we, then we do that. It was more like people were playing along with a script that I'd invented than it was playtime, I think. Okay. Do you agree, Steve? The few yeah. times that I took control? Yeah, look, there was an end point that you had to kind of guide us towards. Otherwise, you know, things wouldn't make as much sense. You know, mm. we would just be kind of improvising and, and, and aimlessly at that. So, yeah, it didn't need to be slightly on rails. And, and same with mine. While I did like the occasional curveball that you guys provided, mm. I, I do think that there was an end point that I had in mind. Um, but I think I it's still, it, it felt more, more uh, fluid, at least with yours, I think. Or maybe, it, maybe as the person playing along, it didn't feel like there was, an, was like a definitive end point. I think I your know. role was enhanced by not having to be in the driver's seat because you could mm. be the like the you could be the the oddball character, the quirky one. I think that was kind of Scoop's primary role because he is yeah. a fish out of water. He is going to poke fun at any opportunity, um, and you really played that to the hilt. And goodness gracious me, but Alistair loved that. <laughs> I was all business. You were all play, and he was just he he wanted to do the mission, but he wasn't uh, above having a good chuckle from now and then. And I think that was the magic um, combination, to be honest. But yeah, for sure. It took a while though to get him into playing. I think I mean there were a lot of games when we didn't play with him. Hmm. Like we weren't well, always playing with him. him. Oh, and also the by the way, enthusiastic. Alistair, yeah. if you're listening to this, happy birthday! I hope you had a good one. I hope you're doing oh, well. Yes. Hope your kids are well. And, uh, yeah, hope everything's going well with you, dude. I know we have to drink again. <laughs> it, it, it was last month, but we can drink anyway. <laughs> no, it was, no, wait, when was it? It was the 30th of, 30th of April. April. Oh, fuck me. Okay. <laughs> Ignore that. that happened live on radio, oh, boys and girls. <laughs> but uh, feel no, free to wish him belatedly. That's, uh, that's great. Oh. There we go. Cheers, Alistair. Mm. Damn it, you said cheers. I have to do another shot. Oh, is that the rule? No, that's not a rule. <laughs> that, that's my but rule. <laughs> what I want to know, um, I suppose, from Paul, then, since you yeah. are the, the unknown factor, uh, Mark had several very involved um, sets, I guess, and, and actual yeah. engineering that went into their construction, thanks to his friend. What is the most detailed kind of backdrop you ever used for a game? Uh, we, Did you go into actual building? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> okay. So David and I, oddly enough, okay. So on my side, you know, the, I've got a, a perimeter wall in my house, but it never used to be a wall. It was actually for a long time. It was like a fence, like a normal fence. And my dad decided he wanted to like build up a wall there. So for, the, for, for a very long time, we had like a huge pile of sand. And so David and I often used to like, take that huge pile of sand and dig out sort of like um like caves into it you know and like wet it and stuff so that it held their form and then we would like stick a vehicle in there or stick something to support that you know to, so it was like a whole like mountain base so we did a lot of that and we used a lot of like i mean we were lazy dude we used a lot of like sticks and stuff like that for fences and things like that we didn't go like that hardcore only until like much later that we discover 
this whole section of the model shop that sold like, you know, fake plants and things like that, that we could start using. And then we started creating like uh, dioramas like that. But we mostly like focused on like the sand pits and ironically, David on his side, there was also a bit of building that was going on behind his house. So he also had a giant sand pit uh, that we had sort of, well, sand pile that we had repurposed into a base as well. So I'm pretty sure that there might even be a GI Joe in the foundations of, our, oh, of this wall, you know, you'll or never people, know, buddy, or helmets or a missile or something, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. For me, I mean, my, the extent of my setup already took damn long, uh, and had <laughs> you and Alistair both twiddling your thumbs, Rob. So I dare not do any more than the bare minimum, which was literally like essentially set up mazes, like things to slow you guys down. Cause once the action started, we needed places to take cover. I needed to kind of think ahead in terms of like, if we're going to have a street battle here, it can't just be an empty street. We'll just get mowed down. There has to be some cover. Um, similarly, I needed to populate the route we were taking with baddies. Almost had a kind of a video game design to it. Like, yeah. okay, in this sequence, we each need to have motorbikes because there's going to be a chase. Uh, and in this sequence, there needs to be a sniper on that rooftop and we need to be taking cover from him. So, like, we would progress through these various situations that I had to kind of populate ahead of time and yeah that would that would be the setup and i i would insist that you guys were cloistered in either my room or my brother's room while yeah. i did the setup so that you didn't see the reveal like oh there's a <laughs> hidden hidden surprise here an enemy mech that oh, is no. very video game design there, there were definitely f uh phases i think i think you went through phases where you even printed little things out for like panels and things um, and actually and set up like, with like, kind of like mini dioramas type things. And then there were phases where you're like, ah, fuck it, let's just play. You know, <laughs> like, let's just do the bare minimum of setting stuff up and actually just, you know, focus on the characters themselves more than like creating a, a super believable environment. Um, but sometimes, bro, but Alistair demanded a high body count. He needed, mm. he needed lots of bots to shoot his way through. You and it was exhausting because to Alistair. Well, he would say. <laughs> He would obviously take them out with ruthless efficiency. And I'm like, geez, I just armed and set up like 30 core figures. And you've just annihilated them all with like some C4. Oh. <laughs> the humanity. <laughs> so, Mark, no, man, that that's incredible. Cool. It's nice to know that, that people took such pride and enjoyment in the setup. Because, yeah, unfortunately, that was never the case for us. Well, I'm, I'm loving that so far the stories have been very different. I mean, there's been very different experiences that people have had with playing with their toys. And from, from complicated diorama setting up and like planning of what you're going to do from like just literally just having fun and jumping in your pool and, you know, diving with your figures. Um, everyone had their own way of playing, which I think is uh, really here's, cool. Here's a quick one actually speaks to that point exactly. And it's from our man Bart Simon in the chats. Uh, every playtime with my cousin in his playroom was us setting up a battle for for hours, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> all day, only to have a thirty minute battle and then clean up the mess. Oh man, yeah, Dude. I commiserate. I commiserate. We used to set up stuff in David's lounge. That's literally what we used to do as well. We used to set up these huge like things in David's lounge, and then like 
quickly like maybe get a bit of fun and then his parents got home or they decided they wanted to come and watch stuff in the lounge and then we had to clean it up <laughs> so yeah. paul do you want to read a snowcat ron's entry i do um snowcat ron. <laughs> what a loaded question do you want to do this thing i do do i do, I do want to do that thing Continue. i'm looking forward to that shot afterwards so much <laughs> snow uh, snowcat ron says I just remember having countless hours of fun playtime with my Joes, especially in the backyard. I loved bringing my snowcat and ferret out there and raced them through the sand and grass. A particular fond memory is having brought my warthog to a swimming lake and making full use of its amphibious feature. It wasn't about the story to me, but just the experience of the interaction between the toy and the real environment. This is probably why G.I. Joburg has secured a place in my heart. Aww. Also, I loved building stuff out of cardboard. I made a silent castle with throne room for Cobra Commander and an office for Destro. This diorama building helped in creating stories. Dude, that is awesome. That mm. is super cool. And it's interesting to me because Ron is, he has such an immaculate collection and he prides himself on if things aren't squeaky clean and perfect when he gets them, my goodness, he's going to, to, to work them up to a museum quality finish. Mm. So to hear that he likes to take his toys outside, it's, it's such a wonderful contradiction. And it's, um, I love it. You can enjoy G.I. Joe in any environment, but they really, really take on a whole new character and a whole new dimension when you've got them in the sand or in the jungle or underwater. I mean, yes, absolutely. To any kid who had the boldness to put their warthog in the pool, you were rewarded by the fact that this is an exceptionally buoyant toy. Very, very fun to have it bobbing around in the water. Yeah, warthog was the best for that. Like, I, I remember, like, when I got mine and it said it really floats, uh, I popped it in the bath, obviously, like, you know, as I've mentioned before. Hang on. Does the warthog have that proclaimed on the box? I think that was, I... like, a, a hidden discovery. Because it's not a boat, right? So you don't yeah, expect but, it to be... Well, it, it, it's meant to go into water, though. I mean, it is amphibious. Sure. We definitely you know, made that connection early on. Maybe you're expecting it to game. float, though. I mean, I think it's mm. it's meant to be able to just be able to go through water without um, without stopping. I mean, obviously being damaged by that because the engine is quite high up on the body of the, the vehicle. Um, yeah. So I think it's more like... It's not like it's meant to be driven through water like a boat it's more like it's it can go through water without stopping mm, i think but the real thing is meant to be like a boat but rob i think i made the discovery that it floats in your presence i think it was at honey's pool because we ah. my folks didn't have a pool when i was growing up so yeah we the lemon a... tree and the chickens yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> We did have chickens back in the day, yeah, but yeah. yeah, Rob, I think the first time I popped the warthog in the pool was at Honey's house. I don't huh. know if you were there or not. I think it was an, an evening, so we were swimming late into the night. I still have my like my water wings. You could swim confidently by then, you bastard. Hey, I'm so confident because my, my well, yeah, well, not to go on a tangent, but to go on a tangent. Um, <laughs> I was taught at the, the, the Newlands. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> He's gonna do it. <laughs> I did do it. I was taught to swim at the uh, the Newland swimming pool, which is actually near where I work now. And the the instructor was quite quite extreme in in the way that he taught you how to swim. 
I remember the very first lesson, him kind of like dunking me under the water. <laughs> and like, I suppose almost drowning me and being like, you better learn how to swim or this is going to happen to you a lot. <laughs> oh my God. Natural selection, swim or die. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a fish or are you a brick? <laughs> so that was the very first lesson. That I still remember that to this day. This guy like dunking me under the bloody water. Um, yeah. That probably wouldn't happen to kids these days, but it did happen back in the day. Oh, my word, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. So, Snowcat... Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do one. So, Snowcat Ron um, has a story to share. I, I just, just remember having. I, oh, did I you just, just read I that just one? I just read that drunk boy. I just read oh, that. Oh, okay. One is Darren oh, Cobb. Darren oh. Cobb. Okay, Darren Cobb. Somebody's okay. getting drank. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I'm almost halfway through this bottle. Oh my god! <laughs> Every time someone cheers or something, I have a shot, and I had like one before we started. So, okay. What's hey, <laughs> gonna be? Yeah, tomorrow. Lekka, lekka, lekka. Lekka. I can hold my booze, but I'm just starting. Jeez. Well, actually, no. I mean, I can't hold my booze. I just haven't drunken in quite a while. I so. can also hold my booze. I'm currently holding the Captain Morgan in my left hand. Oh, there and you if go. somebody brings me tequila, I'll hold it in my right hand. Ergo, <laughs> holding my booze. <laughs> Moving so along. It's a Darren Cobb. Growing for me was like one of the early Joburg vids. As I too used a massive surplus of v VCR tapes as walls, building materials for my bases. However, a lot of my terrain was borrowed stuff. For example, my Castle Greystyle became a Cobra HQ. Unfortunately, I never had Snake Mountain. My GoBots command center was the ultimate transforming base for the Iron Grenadiers. My forces were an interesting mix of Action Force and Joe. The forces of Iron Blood were in a loose alliance with Cobra. I remember Red Jack Jackal being used to impersonate Destro on several occasions. He always got found out. Conversely, my Joes slash Action Force slash Core troops were more a nomad unit with no real base but plenty of vehicles. Although I used one of the Core assault tanks as a mobile HQ. That is very cool. I'm I'm assuming Darren is British because of the, the Action Force references. He's an Aussie, actually. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know. Australia got the Action Force stuff. Ah, <sighs> to my chagrin. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying Australia attention during the got a toys. lot. Mm. Got a lot of everything. In fact, they even had their own dedicated and shoddily made uh, commercials uh, with redubs of the the sort of the 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 jingles that you might recall in the United States commercials. The sort of the jingles were reset with the the Aussie accent. Funny, crikey. But yeah, mixing the action force, the pally toy straight arm guys with um, the regular Joes, that would have been an interesting dimension. Because Rob, I, I I know you and I were always starved of like a third faction. It's mm -hmm. like we didn't want to always be GI Joe versus Cobra. So to have the red shadows to hand would have been very very. That would have been brilliant. I think the, the the most third faction we got was the core. When they became kind of like South American um, gangsters or something, drug or like drug lords, mm. um, and then of course bystanders was were always played by um, I suppose Star Wars figures like Palpatine and uh, Padme. <laughs> because they look so normal by comparison. They actually. do though, actually. They're yeah. just like wearing like outfits, you know. Yeah, like clothing. 
And yes, in a pinch, if you didn't have Snake Mountain, Castle Grayskull was a perfect Cobra HQ. I mean, it's got skulls on it. How could it belong to the good guys? Come on. Exactly. It actually doesn't belong technically to the good guys. But no, no, of course. It's the be- yeah. oh, Eternia is always a struggle of good versus evil for the power of Castle Grayskull. But yet, who remembers yeah. that GoBots transforming command set? <laughs> Not at all. When he mentioned it, I was like, wow, that sounds like a great thing to have had as a child. But I have no Did- idea what it looks like. Did you not remember the, the, the animated movie, Challenge of the GoBots? They were always flying around in that thing. Oh, is that what, was that actually, like, did they do a toy of that? That's cool. They did. They did. It's so bizarre to me. Like, Transformers didn't have any kind of, like, vehicles or playsets that you would put the actual Transformers into. That would come later with the MicroMasters. But, like, the full-scale Transformers didn't have environments that you could buy. Whereas GoBots, yeah. they had... They had this transforming HQ, which was a spaceship in one mode, a base in another mode, and then this kind of walking at-at thing with the legs extended <laughs> uh, in a third mode. It was your, like, I suppose your your discount at-at, if you couldn't afford the, the Empire Strikes Back one. Um, but yeah, man, if, if it was for use with Joe's, that would have been cool too. It would have been the right scaling yeah. too, because I think... The GoBots were roughly three, 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 three and three quarters. Yeah, they were about GI Joe size. I remember that mm. drill dude. Uh, my friend had him. In fact, you could find that drill dude at every toy shop in uh, every bloody Reggie's here, up here. Like, oh, man. You know what I'm talking about, hey? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was about GI Joe size. So. I think I always wanted to get Psykill because I oh. imagined that. The bike would be Joe scaled. Oh like, yeah, I need this toy. I think it's probably a little reason- bit un- undersized, um, if I'm honest. Well, it's like I've got that RC from the Transformers Prime animated series, and she transforms into a, a pretty uh, well to scale. She's like the right scale for GI Joe. She's just a bit in bike mode. It's just a bit wide bodied for a Joe to get their legs around her. You know, to actually and ride failing the bike. that, couldn't you get scooter? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yay. actually That'd chuckles i must say the idea of chuckles on like some kind of vespa scooter actually makes a lot of sense to me like that actually like he's the only guy that can make that cool you know mm, nice yeah and of course then you got a transforming buddy It'll be the ultimate buddy cop uh, scenario chuckles and scooter what are you doing chuckles I don't think that that lady is really interested in you. Stop giving Ga- her money. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. No, no, here we go. Gaz uh, gave us a response. Is he still in the chats? He, Christian, if you're there. He is. Yeah, he is. Well, this is, this is your submission. Uh, my childhood friends and my Joe playtime consisted of hours of base building in various parts of our yards. One time we even constructed an air base. We were always influenced by movies and TV shows and would mimic like Megaforce. Then we would have battles amongst ourselves. Then there was my personal playtime. Ooh. <laughs> Usually more based off the Sunbow <laughs> series. And I would incorporate everything from Lego to, my, to the few Star Wars and Transformers figures I had into those playtimes. Sometimes a post-apocalyptic story or an Indiana Jones-like adventure. I can yeah. speak to that. I mean, there were obviously playtimes with mates. And that was kind of shaped and dictated by them. But some of my most memorable playtimes were definitely me just kind of going on a flight of fancy on my own. 
Mm. Yeah, you definitely did play with yourself a lot. <laughs> in my personal playtimes. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> but in all seriousness, guys, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think all of us had that, that dichotomy. You know, you'd have these oh, kind dude, of showpieces yeah. where you'd be collaborating with people and, and the collaboration kind of made them fun. But obviously there were things out, outside of your control. Whereas on your own, everything was within your, your control and you could play these very, very almost intellectualized scenarios. It was, it was happening as much in your hands as it was in your mind. In your head, yeah. <laughs> now, please, no, no awkward comments. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can't can't be helped. Uh, painting myself in the corner there, but yeah, no, I, I think I recall one of my earliest games being like this blizzard situation where Iceberg was tracking Monkey Wrench through the snow, and like mm. like trying to see his footprints and, and 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 determine whether or not Monkey Wrench was backtracking for an ambush. And it was a kind of cat and mouse game happening with like next to zero visibility. I guess I was very inspired by um, Luke Skywalker stumbling around in the snow after the, the, the cave encounter on Hoth. Oh, interesting. Hey, yeah. speaking of, did your monkey I wrench... I squinted my crossed? eyes and made oh. the... <laughs> sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul? No, I was just going to say, like, uh, it's actually two things I was going to mention. Firstly, did your monkey wrench... Uh, mon yeah, monkey wrench still have his crotch? Nope, absolutely yeah. not. I have yep. no <laughs> recollection of a crotch on any monkey wrench ever. There's obviously yep. something really crazy going on with with, with monkey wrench that uh, I it's don't know quality Mandela control. Effect. It's the Mandela's crotch. <laughs> I would have worded that differently. <laughs> All right, uh, but you can word Cody Scalf's uh, submission if you'd yes, like. Yes, this Paul. brings me much joy. Cody Scalf, who you know. Send me a very cool human toy. It is a mouthful, but bear with us. I mean, it's you got very this. detailed playtime. There's so a shot take on the other away, side Paul. of this, my dude. You got this. Sweet, <laughs> let's do this. I think you actually need to take a shot before and after. Yeah, I'm going to take a <laughs> shot actually long. before I do this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm. <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> anyway, um, Cody Skull says, my favorite Joe toy was the 92 HQ. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I got it for Christmas that year. My play always revolved around Cobra attacking the Joe base. Its fold-up feature allowed me to easily take it outside. We had a creek with low banks that was right beside our house. It was shaded by trees that grew along its banks. It was the perfect place for a headquarters. I would unfold the HQ right along the shore. I would beach my manta ray and my heavy hitter, the Shark 9000, right beside the HQ, right along the shore. My air support for the Joes was the Razor Blade helicopter and the Ghost Striker jet. Oh, you're so lucky to have had that. I tended to leave the Ghost Striker in the house. I didn't have a lot of Cobra vehicles. My main Cobra vehicle was the Earthquake, the Neon Bulldozer. It was impenetrable. The Sonic Fighter's Road Pig was its master. Alongside his twin brother, Road Pig version 1. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah, I know, right? When I read that, what? I was like, yes. Yes. That's how you do <laughs> multiple versions right. You have yeah. these brothers, these two bruises. I had Battlecore, Coco, Destro, Major Blood, Metalhead, and Firefly. They were ruthless. I would always give Cobra the first volley. The green missiles that fired out the back of the earthquake were devastating. I liked the Joes fighting at a disadvantage. 
the first thing that always happened when the HQ was under attack was the tower was destroyed. Hawk would fall. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> I would recreate his rapid descent in slow motion. His teammates would reach out to him. No! I would yell in a helpless low tone. Time to fire back. The missiles from the Gatling gun would, uh, would fly loose. I always enjoyed flipping the earthquake on its side in front of the HQ. Fire and smoke would be everywhere. The Cobras would be using it as cover. At this point is when things would get crazy. Dojo and Chebang would make their appearance. <laughs> Who on the, co <laughs> Who on the Cobra, uh, Cobra side could stand up to the Joe's Ninja Masters? The Cobra Law Royal Guard. My ultimate Cobra badass. W uh, uh, I'm like, okay. We got it. We the, got it. The fighting <laughs> always came down to the last man. Fierce combat would ensue with bodies from both sides, piling up at the front gate of the HQ. Sometimes the manta ray would become a Cobra vehicle to combat my Shark 9000. I would sit in the shallow cool creek and pretend I was in the open ocean. If it wasn't the manta ray, it was the razor blade that became a Cobra transportation for my battles at sea. Outback version 1 was my guy. So was Lieutenant Falcon. My heroes, Star Brigade Duke in the green and silver, was the leader of the team. Coco in black led my Cobras, but the Royal Guard was the badass. He was the one who struck fear into the civilized world. The good old days. No responsibility, nothing but my imagination, and my jokes. Cody. Thanks, Cody. Dude. Yes. I, <laughs> I was particularly oh. taken aback when, when he was actually in the water. Now... It must be pretty clear water up where he grew up because I can just imagine a similar scene perhaps playing out in Johannesburg. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul playing out in the open air and then like never setting foot in any kind of uh, inner city water. Yeah, you, you just do not want to go near um, any kind of reservoir in Johannesburg. Well, yeah. okay, to be fair, like in the 90s, in the eight, late 80s and early 90s that I can remember when I was a kid and stuff, uh, we could play in the Yerkeske River with no issues. There was, like, no litter. You never, you didn't see chip packets or rubbish or anything. We, My buddy Storm and I trekked all the way uh, along the Yerkeske the one time, and we made, like, a like a makeshift raft, and we sort of took it down as, as far as we could. And, I mean, that water was clean. There was no risk of Bulhazi or nothing like that. And... You know, like I, I have a really early memory of being in Victory Park in Hillbrow, um, where I was playing in the fountain, like as like a three year old or four year old, like rolling around in the water and playing in those fountains and stuff. It was totally, totally safe. But yes, now it's accessible. Well, now a lot of those places have been reduced to like septic waste rivers. <laughs> anyway, something else of, of, of interest to pull out of Cody's essay <laughs> is the fact that he liked having Joe play at a disadvantage. Like right in the beginning of his uh, battle, Hawk is taken out. Like the tower of the 92 HQ explodes and Hawk falls presumably to his death. No. So the situation is desperate. Um, and that's, that's interesting. I, I don't know if I did much of that, to be honest. This kind of like G.I. Joe's on the back foot. And we have to defend the base. I mean, I, I, I can recall one notorious game that I think we never completed. It was very much inspired by the first comic book I ever read from G.I. Joe. That being 130, which is an assault on the pit. But yeah, we never resolved that, did we, Rob? Like Cobra arrived. 
They started breaking shit. They had Joe cornered at the entrance to the pit. And we never played out the next part. Which yeah, makes sense I because so. I never had the next issue of that uh, that comic series. Well, that's probably why we never finished it. We, needed, we never uh... knew how it ended. <laughs> it's true. All right, I'll read one. Oh no, it's, is it is it Rob? I don't know. I'll I'll. I'll... <coughs> do you want to? This is from our buddy from uh, Anything Joe's. It's Greg Engel. Greg and Engel, take it away. Cool. As a kid, I used to mimic the five-part storyline from the cartoon. Every day of the week, a different part of the story would take place in a different environment, aka a different room of our house. And then on the fifth day, everything would culminate in an all-out battle in our living room. Good times. I wonder if Greg wanted to recapture the kind of the, the globe hopping adventures of the miniseries. Like it's like every episode was characterized by, you know, uh, attack on the roof of the world or whatever. And the worms of death at the bottom of the ocean. So like similarly, every different room from every different day in his five day game, um, maybe he was characterized as a different kind of environment. I'd like to think that's where he was going with that. So, yeah, Greg, that if you're listening to this, idea. yeah, let us know if you're listening to this. I mean, I certainly enjoyed the fact that my folks' room had a blue carpet, so that was always invariably the oh, ocean. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And the lounge had these great brown couches, so they were like a massive desert with these mesas. Oh, those couches were the best. Yeah. Best for play and best for sleep as well, actually. <laughs> Your, Every your late night game would culminate in a, a nap. <laughs> what did you say, Paul? The, are you talking about the, the couches in Steve's parents' uh, yes. lounge? Yes, oh, yes. Yeah, dude, those are super comfy. Those are the fucking best couches ever in the history couches. of the entire they're world. Like, oh, like they're good for making bases. They're, they're good for sleeping on. They're just good for, like, everything, you know? Like, they're just the best. Because the cool thing so about wealthy. them is... is is that it's, it's their couches, but also the pillows can be removed from the couches. Oh so my you, god! You, you can you can kind of like reduce the couches to their, their their shapes, which is cool for like gameplay. And then I mean also because you're removing the, the the cushions themselves, you can use those to create even more cool stuff. And I mean we definitely did take advantage of that as as kids. But yes. wait, kids, there's still more. Tell them, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> These are the best counters ever. Like, if, if, oh my God, if, if, it, oh, I don't know, like, I would love to own one of those couches. I'd just like replace my bed <laughs> with one of those fucking couches. <laughs> oh, well, just gonna wait for my folks to peg now. Oh, oh no, that's don't put them out there. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I, I mean, we, we, I'll just pay for rent and come live with them. There you there go. You go. Yeah, they need a border at the moment. It's bloody empty nest syndrome. Um, (laughs) they can take care of me. (laughs) Those couches, the the pillows would spill out onto the lounge floor, and we'd make our own kind of mountains that we could then blow up and then Mm. have caves underneath them, flip them over and stuff. Awesome, brilliant. Yeah, who needs dio building when you've got those couches? David has this uh, awesome uh, sort of square coffee table with rounded edges that sits in the middle of his lounge and um all of his couches have uh sort of like feet you know so so there's space underneath them and 
I recall that we all, oh, one of the things we used to do quite a lot was turn that table. That was the, the Cobra Terradrome. That was like their base. And all the Cobra vehicles and everything we would put underneath there. That was like their base. And then on the other end, close to where his kitchen is, which is like quite a, a small walk away from there, that would be like where the dining room is. And we would set up like Joe stuff there. <laughs> and then like they would slowly like move towards each other and, you know, have these whole battles and whatever you no know, the lounges were great i sadly oh, never really played not, not for dad that. trying to watch sports unfortunately while we're like yeah i shot you <laughs> yeah i shot you guys i'm because... gonna move us along a little bit i'll do two in one we got oh, yeah. responses on, in our gmail account as well and these are mark martinez and chris miwa mark tells us a great story that takes place Midwinter 1986. Mm. Die your minds back, boys. In my hometown of Pueblo, Colorado, USA. Colorado. I was 13 at the time, and my brother Caesar was t- Caesar? Caesar? Caesar was 10. Caesar. Yeah. Caesar. Uh, during the fall of 1985, my mother purchased the snowcat for us. On that particular midwinter day, my brother and I arrived home from school with a snowstorm continuing from the morning into the late night. 7 p.m. came around and we looked out the window at the street in front of our house. During the day and a little into the evening, the traffic had packed the snow on the street. I went into the garage and found the radio flyer sled because I knew the runners of the sled did great on snow-packed surfaces. Next, I found Caesar and the snowcat. After frantically searching for frostbite and removing all missiles, my brother and I were ready to do some sledding. We took turns pushing one another on our practice runs, mainly to find our line and get our distance down. Finally, it was the moment I'd waited for. The next run was me with the snowcat. With one hand on the handle of the sled and the other on the snowcat, I was off with my brother pushing me. I started to drift in the non-packed snow, but my line was still good. The run would be just shorter than I wanted. I looked down at the snowcat to revel in the polar attack vehicle rolling through the snow beside me. Briefly, I saw the front tire kicking up the ice onto the fender and the glint of the streetlight reflecting off the frosted windshield of the vehicle. Yeah, that was awesome. And sadly, it was just that one time. We continued our runs until we were too cold with and without the snowcat as, as brothers do when caught in the elation of the moment. As for the snowcat, it suffered a broken axle on one of the tread small wheels. Note, plastic and cold do not get along, and there are Oh, no. no. I'm glad you had such a good time with your snowcat in the snow. I wish you had trained me, because when I first visited the United States, it was during the winter, and during the first snowfall, I immediately uh, ordered the snowcat online. And once it arrived, I was like, yes, let's play with it in the snow. Wait a minute. This doesn't really work. So yeah, Doesn't maybe Tacoma, uh, Tahoe, Tahoe. Oh my god, yeah. Tacoma. Where the South Lake Tahoe. Tahoe. Tacoma. Tahoe. Somewhere else, yeah, I and, guess. And that's where our our, our longtime friend Aaron decided to stay in America instead of leaving. Indeed, and has made a great success to... of himself since then. Yeah, managed to catch up with them on our JoeCon visit. But yeah, true. Packed snow probably works a lot better with your snow vehicles than loose snow. I just remember the snowcat like almost sinking into the powder. I was like, well, this isn't much fun. The snowcat's <laughs> buried. It's like driving through the water, powder. basically. Is this uh, not made for snow? Is this not a snow vehicle? 
I know. All right. Chris Lula reaches out to us and he says, one of my favorite G.I. Joe Playtime toy memories is the year 1988 when I got the Cobra Rattler during the holiday season. Of course, the Rattler would not stay in the box for long. Within minutes, I was building my favorite Cobra plane and after that, ran through the room holding the plane up in flight mode and it was the master of the Dutch skies. Not only that, but Chris has footage of this incredible moment uh vintage footage on his youtube channel the link will be in the description below if you want to check it out and next speaker i'm gonna do this one i'm gonna take a shot hey i'm I'm gonna do (laughs) i want to do this one because i i actually got something i want to say over this one too ted of action robot punch says i really owe my best gi joe battles to my sister lauren through the unselfish act of allowing me to stage my Joe battles in her dollhouses and playsets. She gave me access to the civilians and locations that a combat team like G.I. Joe so dearly wanted and needed actually. Having buildings and non-combat people allowed me to play out countless close quarter battles, hostage scenarios, the Cobra safe house needs to be found missions, the let's hold out in this house until reinforcements arrive game and countless others. This allowed for great memories like low lights targeting Destro through a window and taking the shot or the Tomahawk rappelling snake eyes or rappelling snake eyes and stalker onto the roof where they could gain access and wipe out Cobra's base. But this also tended to, get, uh, tended to get my sister in on the game and she'd pick a few Joes to control herself. That's the best. Of course, I'd annoy her with orders and constraints, but she was always mostly cool with it. And Lauren did have the ultimate veto power by threatening to evict my soldiers from her playsets at any moment. I was really lucky to have such a great sister and playmate growing up. Fun times and fun memories. Yo, Joe. So, yeah, guys, um, I'm going to quickly throw this out there. Uh, I don't have siblings and yeah and um but my friends did and they had sisters and their sisters would also sometimes be cool with us like using their like dollhouses and things like that and uh i don't know if you guys remember a toy line it's these like little like mice or these like little characters and they have like a like felt and they got forest families is it forest families or something yeah and remember now there's the sylvanian 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 but uh but back then (laughs) back then i think they were called forest families but that was like that toy line had cool little things like little chairs and little tables. And I remember um, one of my friend's sisters had like a little house and it was like a two story little house, like kind of, you know, like how house toys were made, like doll houses were made, but it was the right scale for GI Joe. And I always felt sheepish about asking my parents if I could buy one of those. I always thought it was <laughs> like a girl's, girl's toy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> buddy, I, I did do have a sister and some cousins who were also girls. And when they were playing, not only Barbie, because, I mean, Barbie. I suppose, if you just, <laughs> if you uh, eschewed scale for a second and, and disregarded it, G.I. Joe could kind of be Barbie's bodyguards. But <laughs> they used to play a lot of My Little Pony. So <laughs> I'm oh. going to spin out from Ted's story ever so slightly and say that that for some reason these prize ponies needed gi joe protection so my guys were busy walking the perimeter while they were combing ponies hair and doing show jumping and whatever <laughs> shit ponies do. Pony people do yeah. and uh, i think the scaling was at least a bit better like joe scaled with the ponies better than joe scaled with the barbies the barbies 
But yeah, that's terrific, man. I love those scenarios. We totally needed civilian housing. Yeah. To 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 accurately play the GI Joe versus Cobra, like like armed forces versus a terrorist unit um, play pattern. You needed you needed civilians. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only the environment, just just people. Um, it became very kind of like a very sparse world without like other toy lines to kind of make that world up. So for that to that end, we used a lot of Playmobil. Like Playmobil were just good nondescript um, civilians. The scale was slightly off. That didn't matter too much. A lot of them were kids anyways. I mean, what's more devastating? Take a, an adult hostage or take a child hostage? Ooh. I don't know if the child's not Macaulay Culkin who will thwart the bad guys somehow. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ted. Uh, we we have to include this. I was going to roll it over into next week, but it's very timeless. It is once again a voice note, uh, and this one comes to us from Falcon. Hello, G.I. Joeberg. So, you boys want to hear some war stories, huh? Well, back in the late 80s, if you wanted to be on my crew, you needed to be a Green Beret. Flint, Dialtone, and I were a fearsome force. We sent so many Cobras to an early grave. My shotgun never ran out of bullets. And my knife slid open many blue shirts. Sorry to get a little graphic with you guys. When we rolled into the battle, we loved to take the Desert Fox. Flint driving, I'm running shotgun, and dial tone in the back. Sometimes we let Repeater come with us so he could uh, man a machine gun. We've broken into the Terror Dome so many times, I knew my way around it better than the janitor. Unfortunately, sometimes my other Joe friends found themselves in a little bit of trouble, and it was up to us to get them out. For those rescue missions, we would always take the tomahawk. Fly in, fly out. And don't forget, my secondary specialty is a medic. But enough about me, guys. I want to take this time to congratulate you guys on 10 years of your service for the G.I. Joe community. Thank you for your passion for G.I. Joe. Thank you for keeping the conversations going. And thank you for connecting fans all around the world. Here's to many more podcasts and many more Playmation videos. We salute you. Falcon, out. I wonder if Falcon's been drinking. Or if he's been taking something stronger. Whoa. <laughs> that one, thank you, Falcon. Thank you for the congratulations, buddy. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Keep putting Very bullets cool. in that shotgun. <laughs> Glad to hear like he's got repeater on the gun and dial tone in the back. Very cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. We're moving on. Moving on up. Joe Hunter 73. As a boy, I grew up on a farm in Kansas. My backyard consisted of rows of trees outlining our property to shield us from the great plain winds. Past the trees were acres of fields in every direction. So as a child, it was a wonderful playground. Summer, fall, winter, and spring. The stage was set for any child's imagination. I would take my Tonka toys and create a Joe base just beyond the trees. Road grating paths for the tanks and vamps, using Tonka cranes to dig up the trenches and foxholes to fortify the base. Breaking up tree limbs and sticks to lay over the dug-in holes to make command bunkers. As for my Cobra forces, I used the interior drum of a washing machine to use as my terror drone. Placed oh, cool. atop one of the small hills of dirt. Around it was much, of the, was much the same as the Joe's base. Foxholes, small bunkers, and pillboxes made from sticks. So many fond memories would happen over the years in this playground world of mine. 
I didn't gut a washing machine drum, but I think I had a stand-in drum as a terror drum. Like, hey, any any bin will do, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I admire that kind of building uh, expertise. I don't think I ever had that um, notion in me. I, at one point, Rob, we were digging up the yard in order to create a water feature. Yes, there was the there's the back alley of your house. Um, we completely dug it up, and I think we laid some plastic down and then filled it with water. So we had our, and played we had with our it own... approximately once. Yes, and then, <laughs> and then, then my father filled it in. Oh yeah. man, we excavated that back area for it felt like ages, like <laughs> days and days and days of moving earth, only to have it like like I think we lost interest. And then eventually my dad filled it in and we hadn't noticed until I walked back out. Then I was like, huh? Huh? Yeah. What have you done? Our cool play feature. <laughs> but, your, but your dad was like totally cool with it. Like he was. And yeah, why not? I mean, Fuck it. It, I think it almost was a bit of a hazard because we were almost undermining uh, one of the perimeter walls. And this wall was <laughs> starting to look a little dodgy, a little worse for wear. Um, so <laughs> it was perhaps the safety concern that had him fill it in. But yeah, I do recall w at least one game when we had put down the plastic sheeting and topped it up with some water. Um, it was all inspired by a mission, the G.I. Joe's first mission to Sierra Gordo, where yeah. Snake Eyes and Quinn and Dr. Venom get buried in a bunker. So we wanted to recreate like a river with a little island that you could then put a bunker on top of. Uh, and to that end, we did. And I think I used wetsuit to kind of sneak through the Cobra docks and board a boat and take it out to the bunker. Uh, and that was that. That was the game. Wahoo. Pack it in. <laughs> we have time for one more response. And this comes to us from a longtime fan. And I'm going to have you read it out for us, Rob. It's Hell Dan yeah. Shemansky. My standout playtime story involves a day where me and my two teenage besties, Jason W and Jason M, mixed our Giardos with a 20 and a six-sided die, D&D style. We laid mm -hmm. out all our figures, vehicles, and accessories out on the floor and conducted a multi-round draft process. There was no Joe or Cobra faction, it was simply J versus Dan versus J. Each figure was granted the armaments that were molded on their person. For example, 1985 Snake Eyes could leverage three fragment grenades, a wrist rocket, as that is what we thought it was, <laughs> a dagger, or the pistol on his leg. Additionally, individual vehicles, weapons, and accessories were then selected, drafted via the same process. Some weapons, like Zap's Bazooka, could dish out two to three points of damage instead of the basic gun dealing out one point. I seem to recall Tamarat's rifle being selected in the first round as range was also a factor when determining rules of engagement, i.e. you were not allowed to lob a grenade from one base to the other. Once our individual Delta Force teams, much like a fantasy football roster, were assembled, each of us set up headquarters in three areas of the room in my buddy's basement. Certain carpet was designated as water, and the couch, of course, was a mountain. Each figure was assigned a hit point value. The battle did not last nearly as long as the setup process, however, it was well worth the wait. On the initial onset, our goal was to simply win the battle. However, as the game progressed, our focus turned toward making one another laugh with random military maneuvers, ridiculous strategies, and ultimately suicide kills when hit points became dangerously low. It was an absolute riot that we repeated this format a number of times. 
even inviting other buddies into the fray. However, none were as memorable as our inaugural battle. That sounds so cool. That's like a whole proper process going on there. But Rob, as a player of role-playing games, I'm sure that really tickles you. Probably more than it tickles me, and it tickles me a lot. (laughs) I love, love, love the idea of particularly like admiring an action figure's sculpt and saying like, okay, he's got two grenades on his chest. He's got a holstered pistol. He's got, you know, like actually investing each of those items as an item in your inventory. So cool. Yeah, Dave and I did that. That's what we used to do because we started getting like, we started fighting over like my bullet hit you and all that crap. So we just used um, two (laughs) six-sided die. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, we we uh, the two six sided die and you know created stats and stuff. This was around the same time I just started playing Magic around then, and there was another card game called Rage, and Rage had these like cool uh, cards that were designed to have stats on them, and so we mm. built the character sheets a bit of that. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, I suppose if you insisted on your games always being a death match, yeah, you ultimately had to. You had to set rules. I think yeah. because because we typically played a more cooperative type adventure versus bots, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Cobra was always controlled by me. <laughs> I was always putting up the pop-up targets in front of you and, and, and Alistair. Um, so we could get away with not formalizing things. But yeah, yeah if you were trying to compete with your friends to, to, to have a, an ultimate victor, in these games, I think the, the best model is that role play game, 12 sided, six sided die style. Mm. And Dan sounds like he sounds like he and his friends cracked the code. Yeah. <laughs> Dan versus Jay versus Jay. Um, <laughs> that would have been a great game to take part in. I, I would have loved to, to bolster your numbers back in the day, Dan. And I think it's fair to say that all of the people who contributed their stories and all of the people perhaps listening to this and and in the chats right now like had distance not been an issue we would have been the best of friends i'm glad we found each other ultimately but man i would have loved 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 to have joined all of you on these playtime adventures what a time we would have had and on that slightly sentimental note, I think I'm going to start the walk away, boys. We do have yeah. plenty of great responses listing favorite G.I. Joburg memories, um, but we are running out of time. Well, I'm running out of time. I suppose you guys could continue into the night. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, 200 uh, Part 2, i.e. 201, is just <laughs> a week away. And, well, um, to be honest, the, the, the channel or the, the concept of G.I. Joeberg will only really be celebrating its 10th anniversary in October, if I'm honest. So we jumped the gun a little bit on that. So maybe it will be a good opportunity to, to crack open some of these messages. Um, absolutely. I mean, if you can well, stand the wait. <laughs> if you consider October. that the second episode was loaded uploaded in March 2012... We're actually a year ahead of our 10th anniversary. Yeah, but those, uh, that episode was uploaded quite a while after. Like, oh, after the initial yeah. recording. Okay. I was yeah. going to tell this story at the time, but you've kind of led the horse to water on this one, Rob. Sorry, Steve. Back, uh, back <laughs> in the day, 
Paul insisted that he be in charge of all things audio because I was thing. absolutely a technical lost cause at the time. Um, <laughs> I still so find Paul, it hilarious that the most technically inept person is our editor and our our everything technical wise on our on our podcast for the last ten years. Yeah, but dude, it's a compliment in that, but you've also called me inept. So I think uh, I think you need a drink, Rob. I'm going yeah, to like, go. Like, no, but I mean, you've definitely. I mean, you've you've done you've done what you had to do. But um, yeah. yeah, get back to the story. Well, Sorry. I mean, the, the story <laughs> simply wraps up as like I was waiting on Paul to release this episode, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Uh, it was October. I waited till I think March of the next year. Yeah, because we like, I was think I was like getting into my head too much with it as well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul overthinks things, guys. I don't know if you realize that, but now. <laughs> well, in a, in any case, I demanded the audio from him, and the rest is history. I've been chopping these things up ever since. Uh, I went from the typical editor's mistake of making too many cuts and just being oh too God, obsessive yeah, over I, like i remember those times when i tried to edit some things before times i would cut things so it yeah yeah i know yep <clears throat> yep sorry oh Continue. shit i just dropped my nano brick robot oh, no. now, it's a nano, now it's a 50 part nano brick robot now it's even <laughs> now it's like what, what's smaller than nano Whatever don't drink and build <laughs> um yeah i'll carry on the story <laughs> oh no the story's done man so um so embarrassingly the uh <laughs> the release dates of our podcast do not line up with what i deem to be our birthday but uh, yes. uh yeah mid-october we we recorded that episode so i'm calling that our 10th 10th anniversary and uh, but yes we just... will revisit this topic then i guess and also to celebrate this uh, a little bit with some merch, because <laughs> <I do. laughs> um, as you guys all know, we have a merch store where you can pick up our fantastically awesome merch. Um, but I have released a special new piece of merchandise uh, to, uh, you know, sort of commemorate our 200th episode. I didn't put 200th episode or anything like that on the shirt because I thought, hey, that might just be a little bit lame. So I just did this. So it's the the Joburg boys in our 8-bit styles on the Joburg logo. Nice and easy. Lemon squeezy. And yeah. And not too cheesy. So. <laughs> and it's I also love available. that, Paul. I love that. Thank you, buddy. Pleasure, dude. So that, that's available now in the merch store. I had I released it uh, when we started recording. I'm sure we'll have a link in the comments and all that good stuff. And I'm glad that you love it, Steve. It makes me that very happy fantastic. to hear that. I mean, I... I... I might need to save up to get myself a, a cool hoodie. Well, Rob, I'm working on the logistics of that. I need to send us some samples, um, but I will I will make one available. I just need to, we need to, to get together and just decide which ones you like, because then I'll get our local printers to print them for us. Extra large, my dude. Yeah, extra large. Okay, cool. Hell and yeah. then Stephen, yeah, Stephen, we'll sort him out. And then guys, um, there is a... Uh, an unboxing that is going to be popping up uh, pretty soon after this episode. I'm hoping to get it out on Monday. Um, I have finished editing it. I just have to export it and all that good stuff. Uh, but they, uh, uh, so that's coming out. And then also, uh, if you've been paying attention, I did get an extra Zartan. Monday, 2023. 
No, no, no. It will be like tomorrow. I've <laughs> got it, I literally have it ready to spool up. I just didn't want to. I just didn't oh, want to upload it now because I didn't want to mess up our, our chatter. But it does remind me that I've got a second Zartan, and I think we do need to do it as a giveaway. So we're going to figure out how we're going to do that as a giveaway, and you know, also just to help celebrate our 200th episode. So more on that probably in the next episode of the podcast. And what else is there that's really, really, really awesome to mention? Oh, yeah, the fact that we have so many awesome people like that, you know, dig the show. Guys, thank you so much. Absolutely. Like, so many people sent us so many, like, cool stories. I mean, we read out most of them now. Um, and obviously, there's all the stories about how cool people think we are, <laughs> which we'll get to in a, a future episode. And everyone in the, the chat, even right now, while we're recording this, I mean, it's so cool that everyone enjoys what we do um and we enjoy that you enjoy it so um oh yeah yeah it's awesome i'm i'm, I'm so happy that we're able to still do this and um yeah i mean definitely i mean even going to the states was an absolute amazing i mean we always say this but it was an amazing experience that people made it possible for us to actually meet them um yeah actually go to the go to america i mean I've always wanted to go to America and I'm so happy that I was able to go there because of our love for G.I. Joe and our audience's love of G.I. Joe as well. Um, I think that's amazing. And my poor I keep girlfriend. wishing I could tell eight-year-old Steve that action, action figure in your hand right now. That's going to take you places, young man. Hell yeah, dude. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wish I had something cool to end us on, but I don't. Because I am drunk. <laughs> so I guess... Uh, take a shot, take a shot, because you're drunk. There you go. Um, there can be no better end to a, a successful podcast than a righteous... Yo! 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 Shh, don't wake the baby. Bird. <laughs> Wait, did, Later, did anyone get any? Yeah, cheers, dude. Did anyone get any new shit? No masks. <laughs> no new shit. <laughs> new shit is us having alcohol and getting drunk. <laughs> no, thank Hicks. Yeah, I've just got a whole bunch of stuff on its way to me. So that's Hell all yeah, I can dude. say. Two hundred one. Cool. And there's an stuff. unboxing, so stand by for that, Cliff. <laughs> cool, man. And it factors into um, a question that we had at the top of the show. But uh, and this isn't new shit per se because I got it ages ago. But uh, I finally hauled it out of the car because it's been sitting underneath the seat for weeks. But Paul, uh, Paul, Rob, your pimp daddy Destro, I got it, baby. Oh no way! It's for reals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude. Well, I, I mean, twenty thirty-two. They, they were. I think. Did I tell you about it already? I probably did. That. No, you haven't told me anything about this. I mean, oh, I know well, I have an ice cream soldier coming my way at some point. And a PDD. Um, and, and he was all of uh, 10 Australian dollars, which is wah, 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 wah. Like 7 US. So, yeah, these things, they can't they can't give them away. But uh... and it's such a cool <laughs> toy, man. As it's somebody weird. who's got one, it's wicked cool. I dig Alcohol it, definitely counts as new shit, Cliff. It definitely does. I mean, I, I did not have the sponchos before tonight. I've now had about half of the sponchos tonight. So, yeah. New shit. <laughs> and tomorrow, 
You will share the ponchos. <laughs> Tomorrow. All right, boys. I got to bounce as always. Oh, yeah. This has been My amazing. And I'm glad. Excuse. I'm glad we've been able to share this this time with so many people and all the stories definitely prompted us to share our own stories. So I mean, you've learned a lot more about us. You've learned a lot more about uh, people that listen to us. And yeah, it's been a it's been an awesome experience. Um, 200 episodes. I haven't been on all of them. I've been on most of them. And yeah, I still I I'm always happy that Paul and Steve met on that fateful day in the Nexus Comics. <laughs> Anime works. Back in the day, Anime Works. <laughs> and Paul was like, oh, we talk about G.I. Joe a lot. Let's record our conversations. Or even edit them. Maybe do some cool sound drops and stuff. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. them. That sounds amazing. That sounds, oh, I just have to show up and talk about That's G.I. Joe. So cool. I just talk to three and edit everything. That's amazing. And, and then the whole world will be able to listen. Six months later. Can I edit it now, please, Paul? Can you just can I just put this out, please? <laughs> Dude, let's not even talk about the Phantom X19. <laughs> I'm so guys, glad you're cool me. with taking a piss, Paul, because back in the day it was serious. It was like I had to wrest control from you. Like, no, I'm responsible for the visual element of this enterprise. It'll be amazing. It'll be it'll blow you away. Like a bazooka to the face. Well, now cool, we've all found our respective spots, so it's awesome. Hell yeah. Oh. Yo, Joburg. I'm in Yo, bitch. Joe. <laughs> Yo, Joburg. 